All right, so for this episode of the Halloween-themed um, Attack of the B-Movies podcast, sorry, it's a little late, and I wanted to get some stuff done for you guys. I will be discussing a f- series, well, it's not really a series of films. It was it was um, a made-for-TV production, including three films. The, uh, the overall title was t- Trilogy of Terror, and uh, it came out back. It it well it aired. Well, here here's the thing. Let me let me go over some background of it. So it was decided that it was so considered so scary that some some um, TV channels wouldn't carry it in prime time, especially some carried it after prime time. Some wouldn't carry it at all. Some gave warnings about how scary it really was. And. I saw it sometime after it aired. I was born in 1977. It aired in 1975. It aired, actually, the actual date is... Um, it aired March 4th, 1975. Now, it got really good reviews, which is odd, because here's a, here's a TV... Made-for-TV movies usually aren't great, right? Mystery Science Theater makes fun of them all the time, and, or did back in the day. I kind of like them. It, it was back in it Because it, they, they kind of existed throughout the 90s, at least or at least into the 80s, early 90s. And what was kind of neat was, yeah, they weren't great, but, you know, it was like a Sunday afternoon or a Sunday evening. Back then, there wasn't a whole lot on TV. We didn't have cable and Game of Thrones and stuff. So I kind of missed the made-for-ABC movies. So anyways, the reception to this was actually pretty good. It was very B-grade movie. Um, it was called a trilogy because there were three short films. The total running time was 72 minutes. The... It was written by Richard Matheson and William F. Nolan. It was directed by Dan Curtis. It starred Karen Black, who's a name you know from B-movies. Uh, in fact, this is probably... She, she believes this is the movie that pigeonholed her into B-movies. Uh, Robert Burton, who I believe was her wife at the time. John Carlin and uh, George Gaines. I believe there's another woman in it, too. Um, can't think of her name off the top of my head. But it was an ABC production. And... There was a sequel for it, but I don't think too many people really watched it. Anyways, this is there was a DVD release that came out in, I want to say, 2006. I highly recommend it because the first two are kind of okay, but when I get to the third one, the third one was frightening, especially for that time period, especially on TV, even in the 80s. You, there's a very famous movie that the third one will have inspired, and I'll talk more about that when I get to it. So the first one's a movie called Julie. Julie stars Robert Burton. He's a college student named Chad. And he's got the Hotspur's English teacher, who's named Julie, played by Karen Black. So he's daydreaming off in class. Well, not really daydreaming in class, but Julie's sitting on her desk and her thigh's showing, and he's just staring at it and daydreaming about her and whatever. Typical, you know, thing that would happen. So later on that night, he's talking to his friend Eddie, and he tells Eddie... You know, I've been dreaming about, you know, um, about Ju- our teacher Julie, and I really, you know, would love to get with her. Or I, I don't know what the exact words were. I mean, it doesn't matter. Either way, he tells his friend Eddie, hey, I want to hook up with her, or I'd like to get together with her. I believe she's gorgeous, whatever. And Eddie's like, no, dude, she's ugly. You shouldn't get together with her. You shouldn't get together with teachers in general. You know, it, it's not what you should do. So after the conversation, which was mid-afternoon, early evening, Chad's still obsessed with Julie. So he uh, starts watching her through a window, and he could see her undressing. 
So he's just getting more and more into the. I mean, now that's kind of that's that is not kind of that is stalking, but he's so enamored with her that he just has to like, he just has to be with her. So he goes to class the next day, and he says, "Hey, listen, you know, I I'm really attracted to you. Whatever, I really want, I want to take you out." And she, you know, of course, is at first she's like, "Well, no, I'm a teacher, you're a student. We're not supposed to do that." And he keeps he keeps going at her and keeps asking. So she eventually says yes. So they go to a drive-in theater. Now, for those of you that don't know what a drive-in theater is, because they, there aren't many that exist anymore, uh, basically you would sit in your car and you would drive into a huge parking lot and there was a giant screen and um, you used to put a speaker on your window. Like, you'd roll down your window and they'd put a little speaker there. And they probably the more modern ones have some other way of doing it. I haven't been to one ever, but I know what they are. But So that's what it is. Um... In the fifties and sixties, they were known for places. They were known places where, like, um, teenagers would go and and make out, and you know, people used to smuggle their friends in in the trunk so they didn't have to pay for for everybody. That kind of thing. So, anyways, during the date, uh, Chad spikes Julie's drink. Which, again, this guy is kind of a this guy's a scumbag. Even for a college student, even for a dorm, even for a frat bro, this is a this guy's a scumbag. So. He gets her. He he spikes her drink. She passes out, and he takes her to the motel. He checks him and his husband and wife, and he brings her to this hotel room, and he starts taking pictures of her in all kinds of different poses that are very suggestive. And then uh, he takes her home, and she's kind of groggy, but waking up at this point. And she goes, "Well, what happened?" You know, and he goes, "Oh, you know, you fell you fell asleep during a movie, and all we did was all I did was take you back to the take you back home after the movie." So, Chad, being the pervert he is, he's, he has his own dark room because, really, I mean, who didn't at the time? Or maybe it was a college's dark room, but he's in a dark room. He, he develops the pictures, and he shows them to Julie and says, he, he blackmails her. He says, you're going to do what I want romantically, and, or I'm going to expose you, expose these pictures. She's, of course, very visibly angry. She's angry about it, and she threatens to call the police, and he just laughs. He's like, well, you know, I have these, and this is what's going to happen. After a few weeks of this going on, they're being, being romantically involved, she uh, tells him the game is over. And he's confused. He's like, what are you talking about? What game? And she says that it was actually her who manipulated him. And he doesn't believe it, and she's like, he, he, she manipulated him into role-playing what she wanted. And uh, her quote, and it's a pretty famous quote, is, did you really think that dull little mind of yours could possibly have conceived any, any of the rather dramatic experiences we've, we've shared? And then she says, you know, she says um, that, she was the, that she had set him up and that she was the reason that he wanted to see her naked. That's why she, he was looking, or he was peeping on her. And um, then she said, don't feel bad. I get bored with people after a while. That's why I do this. So at this point, Chad starts feeling kind of weird and kind of off, and he realizes that she had poisoned him. So Chad dies. The, the scumbag, well, I, guess, I, I don't know if he's a scumbag. He was manipulated, right, by her. So she's obviously a, a, a murderer and a scumbag. Him, who knows? So uh, she drags him into the, dr into the dark room, and she sets fire to the place because the chemicals under burn real good, and she burns all the photos. And uh, later on, after she's got, there's a news report saying that Chad died, 
and that uh, it was a house fire. And you see Julie adding a newspaper clipping of the article about Chad's death to a scrapbook that shows other students from that college that were students of hers that also died mysteriously or, you know, what seemed to be accidental. As she's as we're seeing this, there's a knock at the door. She answers the door, and there is another student that she's enticed into this game that's now there waiting for her. So that's where that that's where that one ends. It, that one's not like it's not scary to me. I mean, it, it it's it was actually rather clever, but they don't really go into how she did it. Like she doesn't say she poisoned it or she drugged him or anything. It's just oh yeah, this happened. So that was the first one. None of these have a big cast. I think there's only... The last one only has, I think, one person in it, and it's Karen Black. The um, first one had, you know, a couple of characters here and there. The next one is called Millicent and Teresa. Or Therese, sorry. It's uh, about two sisters, and there's um, they're both complete opposites. One's repressed and prude, and one's been around the world, and she's very aloof and free-spirited, and she's... Um, very seductive with men so very two different characters um she's blonde because they always say blondes have more fun right and um that's therese and millicent's uh brunette both roles both characters were played by karen black in this film or in this short film overall like i said i think 72 minutes so it's a little longer than an hour so at some point because of therese's uh deviant ways, I guess you could say, is what Millicent pretty much thought. She wanted to... She wanted to off her sister. She wanted to kill off Therese, believing she was evil. So Millicent gets a voodoo talisman and plants it in the house. So uh, they have, Millicent has a friend named Dr. Ramsey, and Dr. Ramsey enters the house. He finds Therese dead on her bed, and the doll is, next, is on the floor by the bed. Millicent can't be found anywhere. And that... Uh, so everyone's like, well, where's Millicent? What happened? And Dr. Ramsey reveals that there was no Millicent and Teresa, or Therese. It was the same person. Therese had suffered from multiple personality dis- disorder. And now's when it gets really twisted, because she suffered from this because she had slept with her father and killed her mother. So she created Millicent as, the, as a, another personality to help her deal with what she had done and to repress it. So when her father eventually dies, she snaps and she murders her quote-unquote sister. Basically, in a, way, in a way, it's her committing suicide. So both of these seem to have better twists than any M. Night film in the last, like, 30 years. Uh, it was... <laughs> Again, not really a scary one, right? I mean, that's the overall plot of it. But it's not, um, nothing over the top, right? Nothing that would make you go, oh my God, it's so horribly scary, I can't take it anymore. Until now. So the third one's called Amelia. It's about a woman named Amelia. Again, Karen Black is the only, this one only features Karen Black. There's no one else in this one. And, uh,. This one is the stuff of legends. So Amelia lives by herself, hence there's no one else in it. She lives in a high-rise apartment building. And she's been trying to 
impress her professor, who I believe is an um, anthropologist or something like that. So she buys this, uh, this doll. It's called a Zuni fetish doll. And it looks like an Aborigine, Aboriginal warrior. It, it, it's a little misshapen, but overall, it's got... The teeth look, are like triangles. They look very sharp. And it comes with a spear. It's wearing a gold chain. Put it that way. And um, you buy this, this thing now. It, 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 the thing is creepy as, creepy as hell. So it comes with uh, some paperwork, and it says, the doll, it, it says the doll contains the actual spirit of a Zuni hunter. And um, it says that the gold chain is protecting everybody by keeping the spirit trapped within the doll. So pretty far. I mean, come on, right? What are the odds? So Amelia is um, calling her mother, whom she's really not a huge fan of. And it reminds me of me and my dad, because I can't stand it when he calls. I just, oh. But uh, her mother is very overbearing, very bossy, very pushy. And... Um, She's talking to her, and her mother is always lecturing her. And she's trying to say, you know, the mother wanted to come over for dinner, and Amelia doesn't want to see her, so she's trying to cancel. And the mother, of course, is just, no, no, I'm coming over, I'm coming over. Uh, Amelia's like, ah, I have a date tonight. And the mother's like, <coughs> you know, the mother does, kind of ignores it. So Amelia... Walks out of the room after this conversation. She hangs up the phone. This is back when phones had cords, people. And we're in one room. So she hangs up the phone. And she leaves the room. And we see the golden chain fall off of the doll. Of course, we see it. Amelia doesn't. So we fast forward maybe an hour or so. And Amelia's uh, making dinner. Or start, starting dinner. She's got a carving knife with her. And she's... Uh, you know, slicing up the, the ingredients and stuff. And uh, she goes into the living room, and the doll's missing. And it was on the coffee table, and she doesn't see it anymore. And she hears um, noise coming from the kitchen where she just was. And she doesn't understand why, so she goes walking into the kitchen, and there's a knife missing from the kitchen now. The knife, the, the carving knife she was using. So she's like, all right, well, whatever. So she goes back into the living room because now she wants to know what happened to the doll, where'd it go? And the doll is there and it attacks her. And start, it, it basically attacks her ankle and starts stabbing her in the ankles, right? So she tries to run and the doll's chasing her around the apartment. Um, Amelia gets into the, she runs into the bathroom and she takes a towel, throws it over the doll, and she tries drowning the doll in the bathtub. And um, she captures it again. It's like trying to stab her. She captures it again. And she puts it in a suitcase, and she thinks she's safe, except she left the butcher knife with the suitcase, or the carving knife, whatever it was. She leaves a knife with, with the doll in the suitcase, and the doll carves itself out and starts attacking her more and more and more. So they're fighting it out in the kitchen, and Amelia gets the upper hand for a little bit, and she throws it into the oven, and she shuts the oven, and the oven's turned on because she's making dinner. And the doll starts to scream, and it lights on fire. So we're like, all right, cool. Amelia's like, all right, the doll's dead. And this, this doll made a creepy-ass noises. It, it freaked me out when I saw this. And I probably was I don't know, probably younger than I should have been, probably 7 or 8. Like I said, it aired 75, I was born 77, maybe, maybe even younger. I don't know if it was because it re-aired it. Or I, I distinctly remember seeing this doll chasing her around with this knife. And uh, this, this, to me, is something that's just a classic. And 
so she it's in the oven and it um it burns. So she walks over and she opens the oven and she inhales well, smoke comes out obviously because it burned and she inhales the smoke. And she like kind of starts to faint a little bit. She gets real woozy. So then she calls her mom again. Now this is after she regains, you know, her regains everything. She calls her mother again and she tells the mom she's sorry about how she behaved and that uh, she'd like her to come home come over for dinner. And now at this point, so she she says she wants her to come over for dinner and then she walks over to the door and she rips uh the lock off the door, and suddenly she crouches down like an animal would and, and starts waiting with the carving knife for her mother. So she starts stabbing the floor, and she just st- get, get, has this crazy look on her face, which when she smiles and grins with this crazy look, her teeth are that of the Zuni fetish doll. So the smoke was basically the spirit of the warrior from the doll, which is now inhabiting her. So she's waiting to kill the mom. They never show what happened. It goes to black there. But, um, damn, it was scary. I mean, it really was. And you see, it was just so, it was, it's a, it's definitely a ABC quality. It's definitely a TV quality, low-grade production. But, damn, it was, the other two were kind of okay. This one was fantastic. And, obviously, clearly, I don't know if anyone admitted, but clearly it's the, it's the, um, inspiration for child's play right because he's a doll that has a spirit in them so clearly this is uh the inspiration for that i don't really have much else to say about that one i mean it's you know there's like i said of the three films that's the scariest one that is definitely the one that i would qualify as the biggest halloween one and um if you haven't seen it you really should check it out especially if you like you know horror films in each each segment's only I think twenty five minutes or so. Like I said, it's a seventy two or four minute runtime total, and uh, so it's like twenty per twenty two per something like that. And I, it, it's it's fantastic. It's great. So that is the trilogy of terror. That is the latest in our um, menagerie of horror films that we're doing for the for Halloween. Um, you know. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Go on the Facebook page. Like, share. If you like us, share it. You know, help me out here. Let's let's grow this thing together. I think of you all as family and all as family of uh, a really whacked out B-movie podcast. Anyways, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you later. Bye.